Thank you for joining us today. I am Tara Pascarosa, the National Campaign Director for EarthDay.org. Our mission is to diversify, educate, and activate the environmental movement worldwide. Welcome to the next installment of our Earth Day Live series, Building a Road to a Better Future, Economic Prosperity and the Climate Revolution. Today, we'll be holding a critical discussion on how America will accelerate the fight against climate change by beginning the work to repair and enhance our infrastructure for climate resilience. I would like to thank our amazing partners, Secretary Jennifer M. Granholm, the 16th Secretary of the U.S. Department of Energy, and Michael S. Reagan, the 16th Administrator of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency for joining us. Without further ado, I would like to introduce our esteemed moderator, Ms. Rose McKinney-James. Ms. McKinney-James is the CEO and Managing Principal of Energy Works LLC, and the board chair of the U.S. Energy Foundation. She is an experienced and accomplished small business leader, clean energy advocate, and independent corporate director with an extensive history in public service, private sector, corporate sustainability, social impact, and nonprofit volunteerism. Ms. McKinney-James has over two decades of experience in advocacy and in legislative and utility regulatory proceedings relative to renewable and clean energy policy, and community and stakeholder outreach in Nevada and the U.S. Now to you, Rose. Thank you, Tara. I'm really excited to be here, and I appreciate you and the leadership of Earth Day Live for convening us today. I'm delighted to join two remarkable leaders for an important conversation on climate, a topic that is both timely and urgent and the subject of great interest to our audience. So please help me welcome Secretary Jennifer Granholm and Administrator Mike Regan. I am so excited to have you. Um, delighted to say that our secretary uh, is a clean energy trailblazer and influential leader, state and nationally, becoming just the second woman to lead the US Department of Energy. And prior to her nomination as secretary, she was the first woman elected to serve as both attorney general and governor of the great state of Michigan, coincidentally my birth state, where she successfully led efforts to diversify the state's economy, strengthen its auto industry, preserve the manufacturing sector, and add emerging sectors to include clean energy. Secretary Granholm brings that remarkable leadership to her current post as she leads DOE in advancing cutting edge clean energy technologies, creating millions of good paying union clean energy jobs and strengthening her commitment to building an equitable clean energy future. So welcome to you, Secretary. And I also wanna welcome Secretary Regan. It's my pleasure uh, to introduce the Administrator of the United States Environmental Protection Agency. Administrator Regan became the first black man and second person of color to lead the US EPA. He brings a compelling personal and professional narrative to his post with a personal commitment to advancing environmental protection for all. A native of Goldsboro, North Carolina, he previously served as the Secretary of North Carolina's Department of Environmental Quality. Under his leadership, he secured the largest coal ash cleanup in the United States history. And in addition, he established North Carolina's first of its kind Environmental Justice and Equity Advisory Board to better align social inequities, environmental protection, and community empowerment. 
Throughout his career, he's been guided by a belief in forming consensus, fostering an open dialogue rooted in respect for science and the law. And with that, I invite opening remarks and welcomes from Secretary Granholm and Administrator Regan. Great. Uh, I think I'll jump in first and then I will turn it over to my colleague, Administrator Regan. Thank you, Rose. Hello, everybody. Uh, I know that Secretary Regan and I, or Administrator Regan, sorry, uh, we are both thrilled that, that EarthDay.org is hosting this conversation about the massive opportunity, opportunity that we have in clean energy, not just to confront the climate crisis, which is super important, obviously, but to seize this can't miss opportunity. The global clean energy market is projected to reach at a minimum $23 trillion by the end of this decade, 23 trillion with a T. And if we act, the US, if we act to corner that market, we will be creating millions and millions of good paying jobs while of course, deploying, deploying, deploying these clean energy solutions in every pocket of the country. And that means for, for folks out there, lower energy bills for households. It means cleaner air for communities. And it means, of course, jobs that you can support a family on and that can boost uh, local economies. President Biden is committed to delivering this clean energy future. That's what the Build Back Better agenda is all about. And the first step to enacting it is the bipartisan infrastructure deal, which just passed through the Senate on a pretty overwhelmingly bipartisan vote just a few moments ago. And I know that we're both eager to talk more about what that means and what that contains. Obviously, there's a second step, which is to go through the House. But I am first looking forward to having Administrator Regan say hello. So I'll turn it over to you. Well, thank you, Secretary Granholm. And thanks, Rose, for moderating this panel. And thanks to the EarthDay.org uh, for organizing this very important discussion. You know, it's really great to be here, especially alongside my superstar colleague, Secretary Jennifer Granholm. We have so much fun together working on the president's agenda. And she said it best. I won't repeat what she stated. But what I, what I will say is President Biden, when he took office, he adopted a whole of government approach for tackling the climate crisis. And EPA has been working hand in hand with our colleagues at DOE and all across uh, the administration to think about how we seize the moment. This is a moment in time that we must take advantage of. So I'm excited to talk about how we're confronting climate change, both within EPA and across the entire federal family. So, so thanks again for inviting us to be here with you all today. Well, it's our honor. We're delighted to have you both. And if I may, I have a few questions for you and hopefully we can have a bit of a conversation around this important topic. So if I could, and I'd like to secure perspectives from both of you, what would the bipartisan infrastructure framework and the passage of the Build Back Better agenda mean for all Americans? Um, maybe I can start with you, Administrator Regan. You know, I, I, listen, the bipartisan infrastructure framework will be game changing for all Americans, especially working families. It, it makes historic investments in our manufacturing capacity, our workforce, our infrastructure, and, and it tackles the climate crisis by making the largest investments in clean energy transmission and EV infrastructure in history, uh, electrifying thousands and thousands of school buses and 
transit buses all across the country. So this is really exciting because one of the best ways we can create jobs for the future is to capture the jobs associated with moving towards a zero emissions future. And at the same time, we know that we must shore up our infrastructure to climate impacts we're facing today. And many of those impacts disproportionately harm communities of color and low income communities. So this infrastructure deal makes the largest investments in equity that we've seen in recent history. The largest investments in clean drinking water and wastewater infrastructure in American history. This is all about enhancing America's competitiveness, creating good paying jobs, and making all of our communities healthier and more resilient. Thank you for that. Secretary Granholm, your perspective. Yeah, I mean, I just want to build on that. I mean, you heard Administrator Regan say historic investments. I mean, these are these are the largest investments in safer uh, roads and bridges and pipes and public transit and, and Amtrak, um, huge commitment to demonstrating and deploying clean energy technologies. Um, we hope that the Build Back Better, so the second step, the reconciliation it's called, right? The bill that was gonna is gonna follow the bipartisan deal. Then they will have a clean energy standard, which means that we're gonna get 100% of our energy from clean and renewable sources by 2035. That is amazing. And, and then of course, there's a big push to build the technologies and the supply chains and manufacture the stuff here that is going to get us to that 100% clean electricity and net zero carbon emissions by, by 2050. So it's way cool. Let me just say that I have spent the past few months traveling uh, across the country to meet with uh, people of all backgrounds and to talk to them about what this Build Back Better agenda would mean for them. And I, so I've, you know, I've been, I've spoken to environmental justice leaders in Houston and in um, New York about the about the need to put the communities that have been burdened by fossil energy at the front of the line for clean energy benefits. So I chatted with this um, IBEW foreman about the benefits of clean energy jobs while putting American manufactured solar. I was, <laughs> I was, uh, what do they call it? Slinging glass. I was putting the glass, the panel up on, which was made in America, the solar panel, on American-made ra steel racks uh, in Nevada. And then the we, we've talked with, um, uh, I've, I've gone to the Colorado Rockies game with students who won our solar decathlon competition and who are now ready to build the clean energy future. I've seen auto workers in Michigan who had spent decades assembling the internal combustion engine, the gas powered engines, but now have training to build the EV electric vehicle pickup trucks, uh, the Hummer that they're building uh, by you know General Motors. I'm honestly, throughout all of these travels, the stories that I've heard all speak to this incredible potential that clean energy holds to make Americans' lives better. And that's why we are fighting so hard to turbo charge this shift to clean energy by passing the full build, build back better agenda. And, um, you know, it's just been, it's been terrific. And by the way, I just have to say, since I've been traveling all around, um, I want to remind people really important time to get your vaccine. I'll just say that. I know it's not relevant to the topic, but it is relevant to life. So appreciate it. Appreciate it much. 
because we are dealing with a, a crisis. Uh, this is a response to a crisis. And so, Administrator Regan, um, how is the administration, including EPA, trying to solve this crisis while addressing communities that have way too often been left behind or underserved? And maybe you can also speak about the intersection of climate and equity. You know, thank you, Rose, for that question. Such an excellent question. And, you know, it starts with the president's leadership. Uh, during his first days in office, President Biden signed an executive order that pledged to prioritize environmental justice and put the whole of government behind advancing a systematic approach to racial justice, civil rights, and equal opportunity. And the president has made it clear that taking climate action and advancing environmental justice must go hand in hand. I mean, these goals are inextricably linked. So as we make progress on a range of climate and clean air issues, we're keenly attentive to how all of our policies and programs impact pollution and health at the community level. And, and as you heard from Secretary Granholm, we're not doing this sitting behind a desk here in Washington, D.C. We're traveling all across the country visiting communities in Chicago, in Flint, in Detroit, in Durham, North Carolina, to be sure that we are harnessing all of these opportunities in a way that really hit those in the communities who need them the most. You know, the president's executive order established the Justice 40 initiative, which promises to devote 40% of the benefits from federal investments to all underserved communities. It's a critical critical opportunity to invest in the cleanup of legacy pollution, to create clean energy jobs in overburdened communities, and to help elevate environmental protection for all people. So at EPA, we're living and breathing this mission. Uh, I've directed all of my staff to incorporate environmental justice into every aspect of our work, including regulatory, permitting, enforcement, and even correcting longstanding inequities uh, that, that we have experienced in the past. So it's all of our obligation. Uh, the president has made that clear. And I've made it clear here at EPA that environmental justice or EJ will be part of the DNA at EPA. <laughs> I love that. The DNA, that is the fabric that we, we need to focus on. I wanna go back to you, Secretary Granholm. Um, I know you refer to the Department of Energy as the solutions department, but I'd like to know what you think uh, the key is to actually achieving the Biden-Harris administration's goal of 100% clean electricity uh, by 2035 and net zero economy by 2050. Uh, and does this include a clean electricity standard? Yes, 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 yes. Um, I, and this is part of the Build Back Better agenda. The clean electricity standard is really the long pole in the tent for making sure we can deploy, deploy, deploy. And at DOE, we want to deploy the proven technologies that we already have today, like wind and solar. But we also um, uh, we want to deploy efficiency solutions for buildings and for for transmission sectors to reduce our energy use and to to lower our carbon footprint. And one way to uh, speed up the deployment is that clean electricity standard. So already there are 38 states that have adopted some version of a 
clean electricity standard or renewable portfolio standard, which is which is partly why clean energy is already growing so so quickly. But with a national standard, we will incentivize every single state and the power industry, the utilities, to start adding more and more clean energy capacity. And that process, in turn, is going to create good paying jobs and it's going to lower our energy bills and it's going to make us um, more resilient to extreme weather, which we are seeing all over the country. And so we're going to be focused on that national clean energy standard in the second half of the Build Back Better agenda, the reconciliation bill. But at the same time, we know we can't stop uh, innovating our way. So we've got to deploy, deploy, but we also have to innovate our way around the energy uh, challenges that are still out there. In, in our climate and our clean energy goals. And so that's why we have been rolling out the what we call our Energy Earthshots initiative, which is all about moving the next promising uh, generation of technologies to full commercialization. So for example, our first two Earthshots are taking aim at lowering the prices of clean hydrogen and long duration battery storage for utilities, for example. We wanna make clean hydrogen cost $1 for one kilogram, and we wanna slash the cost of long duration storage by 90%, both by the end of the decade. And we, we've got more of these earth shots coming to do that. So we have to deploy and we have to innovate and we have to step on the accelerator to do both. Well, I love the idea of stepping on the accelerator. Of course, you know, so, since we're both from Michigan, we have some appreciation for that. Uh, an electric vehicle accelerator, though. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, you know, we are talking about timeliness and urgency. Um, there's a recent IPCC report. These are the climate experts. Uh, that report uh, that came out recently clearly states that humanity is responsible for irreversible damage to our planet. And it highlights the need for all hands on deck to cut emissions as soon as possible. And to that end, and this is for both of you, the phrase whole of government approach to tackling climate change is thrown around. And maybe you can tell us what this means and how it's being executed on um, and explain the sort of perspective that this whole of government approach is supposed to offer moving forward. And who would like to start? Pick one of us. Secretary, would you like to start? I'm happy to start and you and you can uh, you can bring home bring it home in the end. So um, let me just say this whole government approach, um, as Administrator Regan already uh, alluded to, I mean, for too long, instead of being able to focus on, on action, deploying solutions, investing in our country to combat the, the climate crisis, the climate debate was really stuck on trying to make people understand, in some cases, make people believe what was actually happening all around us. And this administration has been clear and that intergovernmental panel on climate change also is super clear that climate change is happening. There's not even a question. The impacts are here. It's hitting people all over the country. They're intensifying. They're creating enormous costs. So President Biden, he's he knows that a crisis that's this large 
cannot be solved in silos. We need the entire government coordinating like never before. It's not just on the energy and environmental impact of climate change, but on the human uh, impact, you know, the financial impact, the infrastructure aspects of the, the crisis. So, for example, we have the Department of Housing and Urban Development working on um, raising energy efficiency across our affordable housing stock. Uh, we've got the Department of Commerce and Labor, uh, those two departments, developing programs and uh, initiatives to support clean energy businesses and clean energy workers. We have the Department of State that's working with partners around the world to agree to stronger climate actions. You got the Department of Defense that's focusing on, on how to protect assets that are critical to our nation's uh, safety and security from climate impacts. And the list goes on and on. The reality is we are strongest when we can work across government to enact positive change and provide support to those who need it. We're all in the boat. Everybody's got an oar. We row better, faster. We get to the promised land quicker if we're all rowing. And so, you know, we're pulling, we're pulling out all the stops and we know that we've got to start. Let me just say, and you've alluded to this earlier with minority and low income communities, which have borne the burdens of fossil fuel pollution and get hit first and worst by climate impacts. And that's why the Justice 40 initiative that Administrator Regan talked about is at the center of the president's climate and clean energy agenda. We're, we're going to ensure that as we make these federal investments in clean energy, we're directing 40% of the benefits into those communities that have been unheard and unseen for, for far too long. All right, turn it over to you, Administrator. Well, thank you. And, and Secretary Granholm, I mean, she, she nailed it. Uh, she really talked about all of the, the the critical roles that all of our agencies play and and i think the president recognized that from the beginning he recognized that the crisis we're facing is too big for any one entity to solve on its own so one of the things that he did that secretary Granholm alluded to is he created a national climate task force comprised of all of the key agency heads to to guide this work and so epa's role is to protect human health and our environment. And, and that's the role that we've taken in that group. But every agency, as Secretary Granholm indicated, is rowing in the same direction. He also created an interagency working group on coal and power plant communities and economic revitalization um, to focus on the delivery of federal sources to revitalize the economies of coal, oil, and gas, and power plant communities that, quite frankly, uh, were supportive uh, economically and from a job standpoint of the past that helped make this country globally competitive, but are not the center of, of the clean energy economy moving forward. Uh, so EPA is working closely with DOE and a ton of other agencies in that space as well. And then, you know, the president also kicked off other collaborative efforts that really focused on how do we harness all of the power of all of these agencies to do what the IPPC indicates, which is follow the science and follow the law. So there are tons of examples where the president's wisdom is really coming to bear in terms of the all hands on deck. When you look at the bipartisan infrastructure deal and the Build Back Better plan, the infusion of resources into electric vehicles, you know, that requires DOE, EPA, DOT, and tons of other agencies to come together and work together. So this is an all hands on deck approach. We're all rowing in the same direction. And given the impacts we're already experiencing from a changing climate, 
We know that reducing emissions, creating innovative technology, changing our behavior, it's going to take all of the above to get to the promised land, as Secretary Granholm called it. Indeed. So I have one more question for you before we go to some of the questions uh, from the audience. I see a number of them coming in, and I'm going to try to filter them and get get some to you uh, in just a, a moment. But this is an important question for our EarthDay.org colleagues and climate youth groups. And the question is, what can the government do to make sure that K-12 students, college and university students, and blue-collar workers of today have the education or training that they need to take part in the green jobs and the projects that you've outlined uh, and that are outlined in the Build Back Better agenda? Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about um, the Civilian Climate Corps and how that fits into the overall strategy. Well, I'll start and, and listen, I'll say the excellent question and we want all of our teachers to have the resources they need to create a curriculum that includes climate science. The classroom is such an essential place to begin to nurture curiosity, to challenge and inspire all of our students and to give them the knowledge necessary to go out and make change in their schools, in their communities and beyond. So. We want to foster that understanding of the natural world from a very early age uh, so that our youth can be prepared to manage the environmental challenges that they face uh, and advance a more sustainable future. Climate literacy is one side of the equation. You know, our children spend, uh, they estimate 30 hours a week in the classroom. So we're trying to ensure that all children, regardless of the color of their skin, their economic background or their zip code, have safe, healthy places to learn and to play. And one of my top priorities is assuring that EPA is building its future workforce. We're working to, to build a bench of diverse young talent here at EPA. So we've significantly increased our presence, not only in K through 12, but our outreach to minority serving institutions, historically black colleges and universities, and been coordinating with these institutions as part of our agency-wide outreach efforts. Uh, this, this is critical. And when we think about the, the future of a climate core style model, it's a way to engage our youth uh, at a, a record level to bring that energy, that entrepreneurship, and have it married with some of the actions that we already have in place. Uh, our youth, and our children must be a part of the solution, but they also must see themselves at, in, in the vision. And I think we're working really hard to do so. Well, Secretary Granholm, I know you've been a huge champion of workforce development, economic development. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, first of all, thanks for that. I mean, uh, Administrator Green was right on. And, and this Build Back Better agenda, actually, it's gonna make a massive investment in workforce development. and. I mean, you can already see some of that in the bipartisan infrastructure deal that was just passed through the Senate. Um, so here's one example. Um, there's a five, uh, almost $6 billion uh, amount there for replacing 
thousands of transit vehicles, including buses with um, zero emission vehicles. And 5% of that funding is going to be going to training so that, that transit workers can maintain and operate those vehicles. There's also going to be a big slug of money that goes through the Department of Labor that is just focused on apprenticeships and making sure that people who are building these clean technologies have the, have the skills to be able to do that. There is going to be um, a lot of deeper investments in the reconciliation bill, and that includes the, the climate's... Um, uh, core that you talked about, but we're we're going to put the, I mean, that next generation that Administrator Regan talked about, this is going to be huge if this gets, if this gets through, um, you know, young people who are doing AmeriCorps now would have the option of doing this kind of service to their nation and the planet, conserving our, our lands and waters and helping to build this uh, workforce, a clean energy workforce that looks like America. But I, I do think it's important to know uh, what something the president has hit on, which is that nearly 90% of the jobs that are going to be created in the infrastructure plan don't require a bachelor's degree. In fact, 75% uh, of those jobs don't even require an associate's degree. All you need is a high school diploma and some some short-term training. So in fact, uh, it isn't exactly new because there was a 2019 study from the Brookings Institute that found that even higher paying jobs in clean energy tend to have lower educational requirements. So it creates all kinds of jobs for all kinds of people in all pockets of America. It's not just about the engineers and the construction workers installing those technologies. It's carpenters and electricians and plumbers and wine workers and journeymen and more. And, and of course, as we have been saying, we want this workforce to look like America. I think we're, we at DOE, we are a science agency. We have 17 national labs um, and we are really investing in efforts to increase diversity in the STEM field. So in my, my uh, first in-person trip as energy secretary, I visit, visited Howard University and we announced there $17 million in the Department of Energy funding to support college internships and research projects and opportunities to beef up investment in underrepresented HBCUs and minority serving institutions. So it's, it's about equity. It's about making sure we're taking advantage really of all of the talent that we have in this country so that we are able to better tackle a wide range of problems and it generates broader innovation and it creates solutions that work for everybody when you've got a, a diverse group of problem solvers at the table. So it's an exciting opportunity for us. Exciting, exciting indeed. So I wanna thank you for responding to my questions and it's been a great conversation. And I wanna thank those of you who are participating and you've submitted your questions. We have them coming in from Facebook, from Twitter, and uh, I'm gonna do my best. I think we have time for three or four um, uh, before we, we need to move to your closing remarks. But let's begin um, with this one. And I am going to go to you, Secretary. Um, I don't live in a, and this is from Rico from Facebook. I don't live in a big city and I don't see many places to charge a car. Doesn't seem practical to get an electric car for most of us. Yes. What's your response? Yes. I mean, uh, he's right. Uh, I mean, but that's why a big part of that Build Back Better agenda is aimed at addressing exactly this issue. We want to create a national network of electric vehicle charging stations along 
um, major highways, for example, so you'll be able to drive your car anywhere in the country, and within communities themselves, so you can charge your EV wherever you are. There's a lot of people who, for example, may not have a garage to plug their EV into. We want to make sure we have charging stations accessible to all communities across the country, and the bipartisan infrastructure deal that just passed the Senate includes $7.5 billion to do exactly that. It'll create hundreds of thousands of charging stations across the country. And it's going to prioritize prioritize rural and disadvantaged and hard to reach communities that that uh, the private sector isn't already putting these charging stations in. And then I, there's one other thing that's going to happen, which is that if we get the second step done the, of the Build Back Better agenda, there will be tax credits for incentivizing the purchases of electric vehicles so that they are at the same level at the dealers, the same cost level as gasoline engines. So we wanna do both, build out the infrastructure and make sure they're affordable for everyone. And that's all part of the agenda. Thank you, Rico, for your question. Um, I have one from Erica uh, and she is uh, uh, has placed this on Twitter. And Administrator Regan, I'll give this to you. I'm seeing a lot about the lack of clean water becoming an issue. Uh, it's not like we can make more water. So how is this being addressed? You know, an another excellent question because ensuring that all people in this country have access to clean, safe, affordable drinking water is one of EPA's top priorities and it's also a, a top priority of, of President Biden's. Uh, that's why the historic investments from the bipartisan infrastructure deal is critical. Uh, over $50 billion invested in water infrastructure, including funding to remove lead service lines and lead pipes and improve our nation's drinking water and surface water. You know, all across the country, there is great work being done by local officials and advocates and mayors and community leaders and having these historic resources to invest, invest in the work that's already being done is just building on local successes and creating uh, millions of jobs. Uh, the, the one takeaway here uh, from uh, President Biden's Build Back Better agenda is investments in all communities, leveraging pollution reduction, uh, restoring our infrastructure, uh, creating opportunities for clean energy, clean water, but we cannot lose sight that it will create millions and millions of jobs. And as Secretary Granholm uh, indicated, all of these jobs cover all industries and, and all media and, and all, uh, you know, at all educational levels. So we're looking at how we use this moment in time as a rising tide, not only for those who traditionally participate in environmental protection and benefit from environmental protection, but those underserved communities who have lacked access, who haven't had a seat at the table, who have had affordability uh, challenges. Now, with the president's Build Back Better agenda, we're not only creating environmental protection and better health and planetary protections, but we are looking at this as a rising tide for every single community across this great nation. Very helpful to have a greater appreciation for, for that approach. Um, well, this is an interesting one uh, from Neela. 
uh, and I think this is for you, Secretary Granholm. It's a lot of money to do all of this. How will the government ever pay for it? Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad this was asked because um, since the day that the president released his proposal, he has said that the government is not going to be asking people who are making less than four hundred thousand dollars a year to pay a penny more in taxes, and he's sticking to that. Instead. We're going to fund the Build Back Better agenda by making the wealthiest Americans and the biggest corporations pay their fair share. So just as an example, um, in 2018, there were, I think, 91 Fortune 500 companies that paid zero in federal taxes on their U.S. income. I mean, no profitable, cor profitable corporation should get away with that. They use the services that we all use and we're all paying and they're not, that's not fair. So, um, you know, by a two to one margin, the American people agree with raising taxes on the wealthiest and on corporations to pay for these proposals. And the president is only asking that the rate come up a tick, uh, even lower than what it was during the Obama administration to be able to pay for these proposals since we have such an urgent moment, particularly with respect to the climate. Let me just emphasize something um, because people should recognize that these are investments in our nation. They'll help us um, grow the economy, obviously. They're gonna help put people to work. They're gonna put more money in people's pockets. and. They are investing in the bones of our nation, an historic investment in what is necessary. If you go to any state in the country and they will have a grade, a letter grade given by the, the civil engineers to what their, their infrastructure looks like. And they're all C minus, D. We need to invest in us. And every dollar we spend now is going to generate a return down the line. So we're gonna pay for it. We're gonna make sure that we're not adding to the deficit, but those who have borne the burdens of, of pollution, those who are in the middle class, those who are working, those who are making less than $400,000 a year, you will not have to pay one dime in increased taxes. So I, I have to, to uh, agree, Secretary, that notion of an ROI, return on investment, I think that's what so much of this is about, um, a return on investment for our future. Yep. And um, I, let me again thank everyone for submitting your questions. I wish we could answer them all, but uh, I'm obligated to uh, adhere to a time frame since we have very busy people joining us today. I, I would like to offer each of you uh, an opportunity to uh, share some closing remarks. I am certainly honored to have had the opportunity to be a part of this conversation. And I so respect and admire uh, your ability to collaborate. I think it's a really refreshing thing to see. But let me turn to you uh, for the final words and uh, Secretary Granholm, if we could begin with you. Sure, um, many thanks again to you, Rose, uh, and to Administrator Regan, especially earthday.org for, for hosting us here today on this critical day. It is infrastructure week and we can really say that for a fact. And that infrastructure includes our climate infrastructure. We have covered a lot of ground, but there's one thing I hope that you all take away from this. And it's that we have this tremendous moment, this moment 
to lift the people of the country up as we confront the biggest challenge of the century in climate change. And with this Build Back Better agenda, we are gonna get busy building that clean energy economy and with it, of course, creating stronger communities and, and good paying jobs everywhere. And if there's one other thing you wanna take away from this chat, it's that we all need to get vaccinated. <laughs> okay, thank you all so much for, for joining us and I'll turn it over to Administrator Regan. <laughs> well, well, thank you, Secretary Granholm. It's always a pleasure to partner with you. And, and Rose, thank you so much for moderating this and EarthDay.org for having us. I, I just want to echo Jennifer's sentiments. That the reality is, is that during the previous administration, uh, there was Infrastructure Week every week, and it never really came together. It feels really good to see how close we are to really having the historic levels of infrastructure investments in this country in less than six months on the job. This president has pledged to work day and night to get this done. He's working extremely hard to do so. And the benefits are just unbelievable. Investing in America, creating jobs, making us globally competitive, and from a national security standpoint, ensuring that America can be all that it can be well, this is just a treat for me to be able to partner with Jennifer and my other cabinet officials in helping the president achieve these goals. So we're just really excited. And, you know, by the way, I have to say that we have learned to articulate a, a very true notion, and that is it can be good for the planet, it can be good for people, and it can be good for profits and jobs. These things are not mutually exclusive. They go hand in hand. And this administration is trying to demonstrate that. So thank you all for having us here. It's been great and wonderful to answer these questions. So delighted, so delighted to have you. We've had this wonderful conversation. We're going to focus on securing America's infrastructure going forward. And with the leadership that has been displayed by these two remarkable leaders, I have great confidence that we're going to move this forward. So once again, I want to thank uh, EarthDay.org, our fabulous partners, everyone who participated in planning uh, and executing this event. We thank our audience for your participation and those of you who are good enough to submit questions. Thank you and have a good rest of your day.